Welcome to Behind the Brands. So, you found us. <laughs> well done, you. Our little podcast all about the fashion industry. Let me just tell you about the host and the creator of this podcast. The guy's from the UK and his name is Warren Parker Mills. Warren's literally worked with some of the best people in the business and met some incredible brands along the way. Now he feels it's time to kind of do things a little differently. He'll be catching up with amazing storytellers from across the globe as they share some of those unwritten secrets that they've managed to figure out for themselves. From brands you'll recognize to small artisan creators that have mastered their craft. You'll hear about their collections, sales, and their ongoing quest for sustainability. So if you're an aspiring designer, an influencer, or just a massive fan of listening to fascinating conversation, stay right where you are. Hey, welcome to another episode of Behind the Brands. I hope you're well. I hope you've had a terrific week. And if you're new, thank you for stopping by and listening to the show. And if you've already listened to previous episodes, thank you for your ongoing support. I really appreciate it. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. So I had the absolute delight in interviewing two wonderful people called Jules and Anna from the brand Mute Lingerie. Jules is actually a car mechanic by trade and when he's not working on vintage cars, he's creating and promoting and also wearing men's lingerie. I really wanted to bring this episode to you and try and understand a little bit more about the brand and also celebrate individuality and inclusivity and the fact that, do you know what, it doesn't matter what the hell you want to wear. As long as you feel comfortable wearing it, you go ahead and wear it. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now, get on with the interview and uh, enjoy. Grab yourself a cuppa and I will see you on the other side. Welcome to the podcast. We've got Jules and Anna from Moot Lingerie. How are you guys? Are you well? Yeah, we're both we're good. We're fine, yeah. yeah. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Good. yeah, all good. A bit hot, but uh, yeah, nothing that a cold winter won't sort out. All's good. Yeah. All's good. Listen, I wanted to catch up with you guys because I spotted your brand. Um, I love what you're doing. I love the whole story. And I want to find out more about what makes your brand tick and also the way that you two work together. We've had a couple of conversations. It's Pretty easy to see there's a wonderful, harmonious working relationship going on there. Um, But I just want to find out a little bit about you and how you've built this amazing brand into what it is today. So do you want to tell everybody a little bit about you guys individually and um, what you do at Moot? Um, Right. Well, Well, you start. start. Yeah, you start. Okay. Uh, Well, I'm (laughs) I'm the founder of Moot um, and... Uh, well, we make uh, lingerie for men. I mean, that's what we do. We believed there was a sort of a gap in the market um, and sort of jumped in there with both feet and went for it. So that is that is what I do. I'm the founder yep. of Moot and give as much help and assistance to move Moot in the direction it needs to go in the time well, I have available to do so. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, and we're going to dig a little bit d- deeper, Jules, into the way that you started the business and your background and what, what brought you to this stage. Um, but thank you for that. That was a fantastic overview. Anna, what's your job within the business? Uh, so I'm really responsible for all the day-to-day stuff because Jules has another job that you'll mm-hmm. uh, hear about later. So really, I'm the kind of customer face of Moot, the person behind marketing, emailing, yeah packing, writing stuff off, just doing all the behind the scenes things like sorting out care labels and chatting with the sewing team and so just day-to-day operations, I guess. Cool. And how did you guys get together? What's the story behind that? There's somebody missing from the middle of us, isn't there? It's my wife. Jules' wife. (laughs) (laughs) I've known Anna for, or my wife's known Anna for For a long long time, maybe 16 years, something like that. Wow. Um, Okay. And when I first started talking about and thinking about Moot, as a, you know, I didn't even know what the company was called at this stage, but the idea of making these products for men. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Anna was involved as a friend, really, just talking it through and saying, you know, is this that odd? Is it, you know, am I going off some sort of left of field tangent that's just mad? Um, so Anna was very much sort of involved in Moot, I think, from the early sort of conversational conceptual ideas yeah. weren't you um and it just sort of got to a point i guess about 
18 months ago, the sort of stars aligned and it just seemed like the logical time to bring mm. Anna out of the career that she was in okay. into, into, into Moot, which was, you know, I, I think a brave move for Anna because she had gone from a very stable um, traditional career, traditional career into, so, uh, into really being at the sharp end of a startup business that have all the pressures, you know, financial and mm -hmm. otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, well, there's jeopardy involved, isn't there? Because yeah. it's not a path that many companies have trod. Yeah. So there are so many companies, as you, you will have come across, that it's, it's easy when it's easy, you know. It, of course. It, of course it is. Um, it's when you're starting up with limited time, limited budget, limited experience, mm -hmm. and lots and lots of enthusiasm. Yeah. And, you know, that true entrepreneurial ideal to how you get going, it's a very challenging uh, road. Uh, mm -hmm. And a lot, a lot of people fail for a, a number of reasons, but that it's very rarely to do with their – their drive and their enthusiasm it's something mm -hmm. like that's it's the vat or it's yeah. the something trips them up so i think for anna to come into it there was a massive 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 learning experience for her to understand how the business worked but because i knew she completely got what moot represented um which a lot of people i think struggle with mm. um she was just the perfect sort of match you know it was, it was never yeah. going to be an ill-matched uh, pairing Mm -hmm. um, and we've known each other long enough to know our weaknesses and our strengths. So yeah. it works, it works, yeah. I think, extremely yeah. well. What were you doing, Anna? What were you doing previously? I was a school teacher. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's quite... It's yeah. really very different. And, and I did have that kind of job that everybody understands. Everybody uh, has been to school at some point in their lives. And yeah. when someone asks you in the pub, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm an English teacher at this school down the road. And yeah. everyone's everyone understands it. And it's a it's a good job, a really good pension. I'd been teaching for 23 years. So mm -hmm. I, I knew what I was doing. But um, it's an incredibly pressured and stressful job in intense blocks, term-wise. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, and and I, although I loved working with the children, I my sort of heart and soul had left the whole sort of pressure cooker of mm -hmm. of schools, and yeah. so I was I was really sort of flailing around, no idea what do you do when you've been a teacher. There's not much else you can do. And then when Jules, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but yeah, it's hard to imagine what you can do because you've not been in industry or business, and 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 so when um, Jules and Claire were really truly going to launch moot and they said what do you think about coming on board um it didn't take me long to think yeah absolutely that this is so exciting definitely going to take this risk yeah good for you good for you and then Jules I've <laughs> I know what you do but do you want to explain what your other career path is <laughs> yeah I'm I, I actually I run a, a small business and we specialize in sort of preservation and conservation of old motor vehicles. And, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's what I do. And I've done mm -hmm. that and creative metal work, um, really all my life. So I mean, ultimately I suppose I'm a metal worker mm -hmm. and that I would be kind of more within our business responsible for the metal elements of what we're working with. Yeah. Um, and we've got then specialists who will deal with the other areas that we, come into contact with so whether that be paint or mechanical or whatever um so that that is my other business so clearly mm -hmm. the two couldn't be really further apart um yeah i mean that that's that is my business yeah yeah so you've got this brand called moot uh moot lingerie which is really interesting the first thing that stood in my mind was where did the name come from Jules, it's your idea. Uh, well, it was not. I mean, like everything in my life, it's always a collaboration. You know, you mm. never want, and there isn't ever really that eureka moment. Um, you kind of stumble across it. I wanted a word that worked outside the English language that was just a nice sounding word. Mm. Um, and it had to be easy if you were Japanese. You didn't need to know what it meant. It just has got to be comfortable on the tongue. It was about something that was small, short, just going to work. Neat. Neat. Yeah. Um, and and uh, by the way, not just Japanese. Jules means like any language. We're not specifically language. for the Japanese market. But, um, <laughs> just that was just a nice, a nice um, word. And what the 
most of my wife came up with we'll we'll call it moot and what the actual meaning of, of moot is Anna it's like a, an irrelevance isn't it a point that's kind of just you can put it to one side when people say it's mm -hmm. a, a moot point yeah, if you get the dictionary, you look it up. Look, look, look it up. I'm actually going to do that now. Just it, in case it is, it, you know, <laughs> it is a moot point. And in, in in my in my understanding, it's a kind of it's a point of no consequence. Yeah. Um, and when you start looking at the sort of significance of the word, it sat very comfortably with what we were trying to do. Yeah. Because having we, no having little or practically no relevance is the definition. Okay. And, and so, you know, that's where we are. We just our our products just happen to be a pair of underpants with a different design and a different fabric. Mm -hmm. That's it. And you don't need to read a lot more into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we tend to overly uh, analyze things. Um, so we thought it was. It's, it's almost like the name of the company is fitting us more and more as we progress along the journey of understanding what we're doing. Yeah. So, and okay. we'll talk about that, I'm sure, like, yeah, in, in, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as we get down to talking about the business. But mm. it's like we go through phases of working out exactly what moot is and what we stand for. And we might chase one path or kind of sort of feel like we're heading in one direction. And then we check ourselves and we realize that actually what we stand for is this. And it just keeps coming back to the point that it is, it's just, Although we we think it's a fabulous product we're making, it is not of any major consequence or or, or relevance whether or not a man is wearing mm -hmm. this as opposed to box shorts. It's just a choice about your underwear. It's yeah. no great drama, and we want to make that the the kind of message behind yeah. Moot. You, you're not making a massive lifestyle statement. It's just your pants. You know, that's really interesting that you talk about Moot evolving as you guys kind of work with the brand and kind of find your identity more as the business develops. Because I think a lot of new brands coming into the market, they don't understand that things always change. And I think sometimes you have to live with something to understand what it does and, and, and obviously how you operate within that. So that's a really valid point. I just want to also ask you guys about the production side because it's difficult enough bringing a brand to market or coming up with a concept and taking it to the next stage how on earth did you kind of get your head around sourcing and working with factories and specs and um tech packs and all those types of things how did you get your head around that um i i guess it was like anything it was a bit of a baptism of fire um, I, I, we made some really fundamental mistakes that cost us a lot of time and quite a bit of money at times. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess because I've again been around the block a bit in business, sometimes yep. you know when you've got to walk away from it, put it down to experience and, and learn from it and, and move forward. I, I, so I think from the starting point with, with, a, with the products, I knew what I wanted to make and what they should be, what they should look like and what I thought they should feel like. Mm. So I was always sort of, yeah, because I, I, I'm able to draw fairly well. I'm fairly creative through what I do anyway. So it could, I could design something that I felt would work. But get, taking mm -hmm. it from a piece of paper and an image, you know, yeah. into something to a final piece was, was, I guess, a very sort of complex journey. But as long as you got, you know what you do want and what, you kind of work within that. You know, I wanted... As, I really wanted to, to be a British-made product. Um, if we could not get it in Britain, it would definitely be a European-made product. I did not want to go to the Far East. Um, I believed that the product, to have the right integrity behind it, mm -hmm. it should have that integrity, should go through the whole story, the whole backstory, everything we're yeah. trying to do. Um, and so... We sort of, you know, I went to Calais over to what is now the last traditional lace maker in Calais. You know, yeah. a, 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 a town that was world famous for it has now got just one maker left. Wow. The looms are from Nottingham mm -hmm. and they must be 200 years old. They're phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And the lace is exquisite. Yeah. And ironically, their biggest market is China for their own domestic market and Russia for their own domestic market. Wow. Um, which just seemed to be completely at odds with where the world is, you know. Um, so 
that's where our lace comes from. As much as we can try, as, as we can do, we're using end of um, run stock. Uh, so it's it's, it's the left stock. it's dead stock. It's the leftovers from uh, one of the larger fashion brands that if it wasn't used by the small companies like us would be recycled. But that process of recycling obviously takes a lot of energy. So, you know, it, it, it stops that. Um, I was initially, I, I, there was a company in South Wales um, who we were going to use for the production. Um, and they went into liquidation when we just sort of committed to our first order, um, which was a real shame for the business because the guy who ran it was superb. He knew what he was doing, but I, I don't know why they went under, but they did. So we lost that um, possibility. And we were really struggling to try and work out where we should, could get these things made. Um, so we finished up in Yorkshire um, with a, a company who specialised in making lingerie. They're a small business um, full of enthusiasm. And they've really held our hand through really the latter stages of bringing us up into the point where we can get into sort of selling items. Yeah. Um, but again, I've been very clear with them. I, I, I didn't want to screw them on the cost. I was in, it was absolutely, you know, had to be that they were going to be paid fairly for what they were doing. Um, and so we have got a fabulous relationship with them now. We rely very heavily on it on on each other, and there's this lovely symbiotic sort of situation that they will grow as we will grow as well, you know. And yeah. that they are they are really a pleasure to work with. When you go into their factory, it's it's full of uh, you know happy machinists, mm -hmm. um, uh, and yeah, with, I mean, a, with a really nice working environment and yeah. getting paid a UK living wage, and that for us feels really very important sure. that we our, our price point isn't astronomical but it's kind of you know it's a real it's a treat to have mm -hmm. a pair of moot um to have moot underwear and part of that is because you are putting on yourself something that has been handmade by somebody yep. in the UK on a UK fair living wage with yep. dead stock materials that have been saved from a recycling process and every bit about the integrity and the backstory of that product stands mm -hmm. up. It's good. Yeah. We, we don't feel like we have to bluff our way through any conversations or hide anything about this business because mm -hmm. every choice along the way has been ethical and considered and we're proud of it. And I think yeah, that's nice. really, really important. Absolutely. I mean, it is. And and there's a lot of people that talk the talk, but actually actually following it through and doing what you guys are doing is is very, very commendable. How do you message that to your customers? I mean, are they aware of that or are they seeing great products and just thinking, actually, I want to wear this and, and that's the uh, the idea behind the purchase? Or are they actually buying with those values as well, would you say? Well, I hope they are. We do communicate it. We have got it on our website, but you have to have read on the website, you know, Although we are aware that it's a very visual world and lots mm -hmm. of things are driven by the images you put forward on social media and, and on, on, on your website, we have taken the time to write sort of the story behind the pieces. Now, whether or not people read that in much detail, we're not totally aware of. Um, we do want them to see it, but what we don't want to do is to put ourselves out as being absolutely the lead. We know that we are not at the very cutting edge of sustainability. We're a mm. few steps behind it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that we can go around pretending that we are the greatest thing that's ever happened for the environment in, yeah. in the underwear world, Yeah, because we're not, but we're certainly a very wholesome version. And the things that we do care about and, and, a lot of that is to do with people's working conditions. You know, Julian and I are, are both quite interested in supporting the rights of the worker as well as the environment. But but the kind of the workers' conditions is a really important thing for us both. And yeah. just kind of being human about the whole process. Mm -hmm. Neither of us wants to make a lot of money on the back of other people's toil and suffering we sure. it would you could be on your yacht in the caribbean and you would feel like dung you know you, mm -hmm. it, it just would not be okay 
So if we do ever make money from Moot, it has to be knowing that people have been looked after on the way to doing it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. It was really great to hear. And um, yeah, it's also wonderful to hear that you've got a really good relationship with your factory. Because again, when things are going good, everybody's happy and everyone's smiling. But sometimes there is a downturn in whatever. And these things can often be out of your control. And having that manufacturing connection so strong that will see you guys through so you've done the right things there certainly from my experience of of plowing the field properly you know i mean one of the things that that we've always always tried to do with moot and and it's it's a very important element of of when you look after people is you know you we all have a responsibility and if i'm going to ask our manufacturing guys to do something it's it's incumbent upon me to ensure that they're paid in most cases, it will it will almost be on the return email from when it, the invoice comes to us, mm-hmm. and they'll never have to wait more than you know maybe a day or two. Yeah. Um, and through those relationships, you build trust, and you you build trust. Um, and equally, you know, if I have to lean on them a bit to get something pushed through, they aren't going to be doing it and just taken for granted. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm um because you know there are relationships in businesses but equally you know there's costs involved in running a business and we can't just go through the world being a nice guy you know you have to make sure that they're paid on the nail yeah all the time yeah um, and so it, it's an it's an important uh, important element there are so many stories you hear of people who are running small businesses and being stretched out and they're giving 30 60 90 days credit you know yeah um and and you know, I'm, I'm very, very lucky because I do have a, another business that gives me enough of an income to support Moot. So it doesn't sure. have to stand on its own feet. Yeah. And I know it won't do for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's also a responsibility that goes with that. And that's sometimes overlooked by a lot of people. Um, you know, setting a business up is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that's why so many businesses get bought out yeah. because it's yeah. so much easier to buy an existing business yeah get one on the ground and and you know the entrepreneurs who start go down this road sometimes there is a you know a really worrying element of naivety in what they think they will achieve and how easy that will be and mm-hmm. of course there are those few companies that do achieve it remarkably easy but the vast majority of companies it is usually years of hard work to get to that point. And, you know, so that's, that's, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's really valid. Honestly, it really is. And, and it's important. It is an important fact that, that you guys have just highlighted there. And I think also as well, it's also really, really important to understand some of the other challenges as well. You know, producing product is one thing. Producing a brand is one thing. Keeping on top of social media is one thing. What are the things that's happened within Moot that have, have raised their ugly head with regards to challenges? Is there anything else that stands out in mind? Well, yeah, well, I mean, the the biggie, really, and the one that we actually ended up getting a little bit of press coverage over was the fact that um, although we recognise that it is difficult, it's a it's difficult um, see to navigate for any lingerie underwear brand to um, be seen on social media because Mm -hmm. of obviously if you're showing somebody an underwear, there is a certain amount of flesh that is going to be exposed and also because you might even unintentionally, if you're leaning back against a chair or whatever you're doing, it mm-hmm. might be viewed as um, a suggestive pose. So it's very, very hard to show the world what you're doing. And yeah. for us, it was really hard because if you imagine a beautiful flat lay with a pair of women's knickers, mm-hmm. you can get that. You can photograph down and get a non-body beautiful flat lay of the little triangle and I don't know, some lifestyle things around it, a few flowers and a beautiful candle or something. Mm -hmm. And you can photograph that. Now, with what we're doing is we're making underwear for men and it's shaped to fit men. So unless there's something inside that part of the material, it just looks like you're selling Nora Batty's tights. And it doesn't doesn't look okay. You can't flat lay. So we have to show it on a person. Some of our materials are quite sheer or they're quite, you know, they're lacy. You can therefore see something through it. And that's intentional. Yeah. We want it to be like that. It's meant to be beautiful and kind of stunning on and a bit alluring. But mm-hmm. then it's very, very hard to photograph, even with a just a person standing, I don't know, in, in a field or whatever. They're not in a bedroom. But basically what I'm saying is 
every very early on every post that we put out we would get pulled uh we couldn't run any adverts which was a shame because i was like awarded i won a competition and won a place on a facebook advertising um sort of a night school really mm -hmm. for women in business uh, through a fabulous brand called manners london and sally manners the the founder of that had had so much success with her little uk brand um and how she had worked with facebook ads that she she developed a course for other um women in business to teach mm -hmm. you look this is how you do it yourself this is how i'm getting 16 times return on what i spend on any advert at any point wow. yeah and so i did this kind of eight or nine week course um in the evenings and then it kind came to you know understanding how to insert a pixel behind the scenes and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff and it got to the end and we went to put up our first ad and it was just instantly rejected. Even just our logo by itself was instantly rejected. Wow. Everything we tried to do, we were banned. No ads on Facebook, no placements on Google, no, no um, Google Marketplace where you, if you search for something, you see some pictures at the mm -hmm. top with prices underneath. We weren't allowed to be there. And this was so weird for us because we could see other lingerie brands who were with women's bodies doing exactly similar, if not quite a bit racier than we were doing. We had a man just standing, our model just standing in a pair of briefs mm -hmm. with a basketball under his arm. It was removed. And we just felt that it was really unfair, actually. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it was a bit, Jules and I did reflect on this. Like, in life, we, we can realise that actually we have had a path of minimal resistance compared to a lot of other groups of people in the world. Neither of us are homosexual. Neither of us are um, of a ethnic minority in the country that we live in. You know, we, mm -hmm. we have had possibly the smoothest path that you can get. And suddenly we're facing discrimination and it was like, a it was, God, a this is what yeah. it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was interesting. And, and, yeah, we were banned and we were so deep banned. Um, what Facebook did to Julian, actually, Julian's personal account, because you have to have a, like a business account through your own personal account. Mm -hmm. We were so deeply banned that he would never have been allowed to advertise any product again in his entire life, even if he'd started to make cases for phones. Wow. They Unbelievable. deep yeah. banned him. And so... After struggling with this for months and just feeling utterly battered by it, I suddenly said to Jules one afternoon, do you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to write a press release about being banned. Mm -hmm. and let's try and see if we can get somebody to hear what we're saying. And so I sent one to the Observer and this um, the deputy fashion editor, Priya Elan, got back to me and said, right, I'm going to ask you some questions about this. And then he ran a piece in the Sunday Observer about this male lingerie brand being banned. And interestingly, then a researcher from Radio 4 got hold of that piece and wanted to put Julian into um, the consumer affairs programme, You and Yours, on Radio 4. And at that point, when Radio 4, when the BBC started researching, suddenly we were told via their researcher that Facebook and Instagram had made a mistake and oh. we were open again where we could um, advertise. Wow. That's an amazing story. Yeah, that's, it is so discriminatory, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's awful, awful, really. You know, we thought we were going to get some quite critical comments from, you know, unpleasant as sort of possibly, you know, yeah, unpleasant elements of society who are going to mm -hmm. judge us harshly on this. Yeah. And the reality is we didn't get at that at all. We had didn't even get out of the gates. Yeah. Fantastic encouragement. Really, really nice and yet the big corporates, they were the ones yeah. who closed us down. And that yeah. was a real shock. We didn't, you know, not never in our wildest dreams do we think Facebook would take off. And we got, you know, can you imagine you you go out with your second or third ad? Think, well, that was banned. And that's let's just put the logo up. Yeah. Contravene to their standards. As well. um, uh, yeah. So it is. Yeah. But, but out of all of this, of course, there's sort of, you know, part of the sort of the roots of Moot is like, uh, you know, this slightly anarchic rebellious side mm -hmm. that, that wants to take on the world and sort of kick and scream and, you know, 
just, Ch- just challenge just shake yeah. it up a bit yeah 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 um, so do, do you think just on that then just on that point do you think that's a big driver for you guys with the history of obviously the banning and everything else does that kind of set the tone of of the way that you interact as a brand or the way that you communicate your messaging out do you think that has affected you in any way um i i think it's affected as i think the slightly anarchic approach to life was there before we even got involved okay. with facebook <laughs> okay. um yeah you know, I, I kind of grew up at the back end of the punk mm-hmm. um, uh, sort of period. And I'm much younger. Um, <laughs> no, at 56, <laughs> I'm old enough to sort of, and it still had, that had a a deep effect upon the way I view life. Yeah. Um, you know, my early days of becoming politically aware was sort of seeing Margaret Thatcher destroy the unions and the miners um uh, and you know i i I didn't want to be part of a country that had policemen on horses riding into miners um and that that all affected the way i looked at my own conduct and the way i would challenge things through life and so that that's very much embedded in the way we are at moot we care enormously about people um but I think when we look at the way particularly some of the corporates are acting, mm. um, it's appalling. It's disgusting. It's, yeah, it is yeah. absolutely. And today we shouldn't. I think we should have moved beyond this. And, in mm. fact, it's becoming worse. Do you yeah. know what, though? The funny thing is, Warren, ultimately I feel like it's made us calmer mm-hmm. and not more up for a fight. There were moments during it where it was incredibly frustrating. We just couldn't believe it. And it felt like you wanted to tear your hair out and this wall was down and you could not communicate with anybody. There was no way Tiny Tiny Moot was going to be able to challenge this. It took the BBC to be able to get somebody who remained nameless. We weren't even allowed to know the name of the contact at Facebook. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then the green light came and we were allowed to advertise. And actually, it doesn't really do that much for us. And okay. We just, we ended up, well, I've ended up, I haven't actually specifically talked to Jules about this, but ever since then, I feel like we're heading in a in a direction of, instead of being like, this is what we do, it's so amazing, blah, 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 fancy, sparkly men's knickers. It's just, <laughs> this is what we do, aren't they yeah. lovely? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Simplicity. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just, it's moot. It's a moot point. It's like, mm-hmm. you could be um, a milkman you could be a miner you could be a professor you could be an IT technician whatever you're doing is much more important than what knickers you're wearing mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and we're just there to give men another choice it's really calm actually <laughs> yeah that sounds good I must actually whilst you're talking I must put in the show notes some reference to Nora Batty because we will have listeners all over the world <laughs> thinking we don't know who this Nora is. Maybe she's a fashion icon. I'm just going to leave legend. it at that. And they she possibly was one. She, she was. Yeah, she was, yeah. was, wasn't she? She yeah, was I, iconic. You know, I, I, I um, come from an area of South Yorkshire, very close yeah. to home, Perth. And um, and I, I, I was brought up on sort of Nora Batty and Last <laughs> Summer Wine. And, and, and uh, if you haven't, if you don't know who she is, Google start it. What, Google it. <laughs> Look at her tights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So talking a little bit about your, I, I don't want to use the tribe, but your your fans, where where are you, where is the brand gravitating towards? What kind of people are buying the brand or enjoying what you guys are doing? That's, that's really almost impossible to answer because it is so diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, we imagined at the very beginning that we would be dealing with only men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were quite surprised after a few months of trading to look at our client base so far, people who'd subscribed and people who had placed orders. And it was very interesting to see quite quite quickly that um, at, at one point, 60 percent of our sales were going to women. Okay. Um, and so that felt really fantastic, actually. It felt like traditionally you'd heard of. Uh, it's quite a cliche that a man would buy lingerie for his partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure some of our clients are men buying lingerie for their partners, for their husbands. Some of them are men buying lingerie for themselves because mm-hmm. they really love it. Some of them are in heterosexual relationships and they tell us about it. Some of them are in homosexual relationships and they tell us about it. 
But I felt like on a personal level, I felt quite empowered by all these women who were choosing to buy it for their presumably male partners, because mm. it's that kind of you are giving a gift, but you are um, the one sort of driving that part of your relationship. Women, I think, historically have been seen as the passive recipient. They're now the sort of active driver of, of okay. those choices, and that was yeah. really lovely. But, um, I don't know, but geographically? I mean, or... we, we, it really does. We, we have a presence in Britain because, obviously, we're here. We get a lot more coverage in Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, America's our next biggest market. Then, of course, they've got a huge population. But we, we I mean, honestly... We have said things to Japan. We have. It, it, you know, it goes all around the world. <laughs> we we so often go to Australia. Yeah. Germany. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's 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 sort of everywhere. We had a lot of um, it's support and interest from South America and Brazil, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and what's what's the repeat business like? What's I mean, obviously, it sounds as if you've got such a good relationship with your customers, and that is all important. You know, you've got to know what they like from a product point of view and deliver it, and make sure the customer service and everything else is there. But I, it also sounds to me you've got a huge amount of loyalty, and and I'm really interested to find out why that is you know going beyond just integrity or being discreet or i don't know how you operate your business but what do you think keeps people coming back to buying moot um i mean i I guess you know first and foremost the product has to has to fit as it should and has to perform as it should i i think you 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 know it can't just be full of fluff you know there's got to be some substance behind it um so I, i i guess if i look at our reviews that we're getting it's something like 95 or 97 97 percent are five star reviews wow um, and the only other one other than that pretty four much star. is a four star yeah wow. um so we we start off i guess on the basis of is the product right i mean I, the, the 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 rationale behind all of the products is you know if you start from where where moot started was i couldn't find a product that i wanted to wear Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really important to say, well, I, 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 no, I don't want to pretend to be a woman and dress as a woman. I want to be a man and embrace my, my, my body for what it is and decorate my body with nice underwear. And so every product that we sell is based upon, would I wear that product? Yeah. Um, so I'm not chasing sales for the sake of uh, you know, a bean counter who's look at it and say, well, you should be making boxer shorts because you make more money. I yeah. wouldn't wear boxer shorts. There's no point in me selling it. Everything yeah. has to come from that point of view. So I guess I can't be the only person who has that aesthetic and that feeling behind mm-hmm. it. So if you find yourself sort of engaging with the brand and liking the product, you, you know, we're part way there on it. Um, but then I think, the backstory on the integrity and the way we source products and stuff is very important, but not the main reason, but that's one of the elements. But then I think Anna gives such extraordinary sales and after sales service. And, you, you know, we get some really lovely inquiries coming from some some men, men who are a little bit anxious about sort of putting their foot in the water. And, yeah. you yeah. know, is it a little bit odd to be doing this and I so people who feel really very marginalized and have felt marginalized their whole lives and if they feel like it's like one of the last bastions of of prejudice really because okay. so many other things have been uh talked about and shared socially but if you like wearing little knickers that it's been vilified you know mm-hmm. and, and, uh, it, and it is, demonized it, it is i mean we were talking about this just the other day and it's interesting we we're talking to a couple of couples and they are more comfortable to buy adult toys yeah um that that uh, in some cases were quite extreme adult toys and between them they would talk about it there would be no shame because they were going to play with them together mm-hmm. and if you then moved into some him saying, well, actually, I quite like to wear. That became a more taboo subject to talk about. Yeah. Wearing some lacy underwear than playing with the toy. Yeah. And it then became, you know, well, this is really just absolutely Weird, isn't mad, isn't it? You know, we are yeah. in such a mixed up sort of position. So I think going back to your question is Anna's support for people who do have questions and do ask um, about things. 
um, is enormously important. We also have this product range and sizing range within that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are outside our, our, our shelf range, anywhere outside it, we will bespoke for you to fit you for exactly oh, wow. the same price. We wow, will never amazing. be an increased price. Yeah. So whatever your size, if you say, I'd like that product, but I'm X size, yeah. you'll have it same okay. cost as everyone exactly else. the same cost. Okay. Um, and so that sort of service, I yeah. think, really um, is what wins us the loyalty. You know, there's a really nice post to go out by Anna. We put an awful lot of work and a lot of thought into the blog posts we do and they're very varied they're talking about all sorts of different stuff mm-hmm. we often do a little talk to camera about where we are so people can engage in what the brand's doing yeah but it's we reshoot everything so even the italian tights that we get that we've chosen because we love them we don't just rely on their branding we take we, we buy enough you know we buy enough to be able to take them out and shoot them on men so that mm-hmm. you can see that it's appropriate to your body if you're a man and that's what you're going to you're going to wear so yeah but but i knew though from a from a from a from a simple business point of view the only way that the the business would grow is if we look after our customers and we treat them in a respectful manner Mm. and hope that they would choose to come back to us yeah um and that seems to be the case you know Mm -hmm. one of the really gratifying parts of it is that we are getting repeat orders and and, uh, and that uh, and that's where a brand is built up because yeah. you as we add to our customer base the repeats go and the repeats go um we we've looked and we've spoken about i've spoken to the bookkeeper about it and i'm i'm not sure whether we will this year because there's actually we're trading at a loss still but when we start making it a profit mm-hmm. i think we may even publish our accounts mm-hmm. so that not not the company account the company's house accounts our full trading accounts so people can see what the business is doing because yeah. we can only grow if, if if people trust what we're doing yes. um, and we're growing together. We believe our margins, our profit margins are modest enough to give us organic growth. We're not borrowing to grow. I think people like our honesty and the way we try to, to, to look do after. Right yeah, do the yeah. right thing, I guess. Yeah. Early on, Jules completely sort of confounded me. Um, I think it was in our first few months of trading and we were one of our most expensive pieces at the time was very popular. And we'd sold sort of four in the first couple of months of this really beautiful garment. And then Jules was reviewing it for, you know, just as you do, let's look mm-hmm. at this. Is this working? Could this be any better? And he decided to make some quite subtle but important design changes to this one particular piece that we'd already yeah. sold a few of. And they were you know, nearly £200 each. And he said, right, we're going to get the new one. I'm not happy about how they were. I think they could be better. And this mm-hmm. is what's going to make them better. I'm going to order new ones. And I want you to get back via email, get back to all the previous clients who've already bought one and tell them we're sending them a new one. Okay. And I was like, Jules, seriously, no one has complained. The clients are really happy. They 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 like what they're wearing. They, they you know they're really enjoying it. And he said, it's not good enough. If I'm making you know if I'm making a better version, I, I can't have it that they've already invested and they haven't got the best versions. Tell them they're getting new ones. Wow. <laughs> Four people and just say, by the way, we're sending you a brand new one at no charge because wow. Jules wants you to have the best thing. And yeah. they're like, oh wow, okay, yeah. I mean, subliminally, that's amazing marketing as well, isn't it? Because the the goodwill that goes along with that, not only will it it keep that customer really pro moot, but also they'll be sharing that with all their friends. So it's yeah, a really smart move. Not. Well, their lives are probably it's not the thing you often talk about at dinner parties. No, no, raise the few eyebrows. This is a weird thing that because you know, initially I would introduce myself to somebody new as a metal worker. Yeah. Um, and maybe a few beers later, I might say, oh, I also run a company that does um, underwear. Mm-hmm. And then a few beers later, and then they're underwear for men or lingerie for men. And now I'm quite happy to say, you know, what do you do then, Jules? 
oh, we make lingerie for men, you know, free yeah. knickers. Yeah. Um, same here, actually. Yeah, the same here. Yeah. After a year, after a year and a half of hiding behind Jules's car business and saying, oh, I work for Jules's car business, I've only just got the courage to say I, I actually work for quite an edgy men's knicker company. How liberating. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Because <laughs> I felt like, and I think Jules probably feels the same way, that actually all the time that you're just slightly holding back, you are never going to project enough yeah. of a kind of a confidence to really power you through. And, and yeah. so there's, we just can't keep holding on to the safety rail of the shallow end. We just got oh, to go for it. That's great to hear because, again, I can imagine your customers feel probably the same way as well. And you need to lead from the front, don't you, at the end of the day? So yeah. um, it's it's really interesting, this whole story and the, and the mindset behind the brand. And I think, you know, certainly I speak to a lot of brands. and It seems as if you've got some great foundations in place. I just want to ask a little bit more about your relationship because obviously Anna is the perfect customer relations kind of social media guru and everything else Jules what do you really enjoy about Anna that that on a day-to-day basis what what is that <laughs> she's basically in the room now and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> she's glowing I can see her sitting in a chair so much higher she should be glowing with embarrassment no, <laughs> I, I tell you what it is and, and it's really simple isn't it it's respect and trust it's that's mm-hmm. all it is that if you if you know that someone's always given a hundred percent yeah you can ask no more of anyone yeah um and 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 that's exactly what I get from Anna, uh, mm-hmm. and that's that is it. It's the beginning. She's got enormous talent. She's got huge capabilities. But we all know people with talent and capabilities, but they never give a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you can you can forgive anybody anything if you know that they are always doing their best. That I took on a, an English teacher who was enthusiastic. I didn't take take on a marketing expert or and an expert in lingerie. I'm equally you know, as naive as she is on this, this element. But I knew that with belief in the product, which we have got an abundance of, belief in each other's and trust within each other to do the right thing and commitment to it, mm-hmm. it we will win through. Um, yeah. I, I've worked with somebody who I absolutely trust and I know mm-hmm. she gives 100%. And that's, yeah. that's where so I am. Important. Yeah, no, that's so, so good. And actually, better to do it with an English teacher who's learning the brand and, and really getting under the skin of those values, you know, right from the off, as opposed to to coming in with something, you know, with a preconception and do you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. It sounds as if you're yeah. working it together, which is which is amazing. I'm gonna ask yeah. a similar question to you, Anna. Yeah. Um, probably not so polite. What is the what is it about Jules that really annoys you? Um, or winds you up? Is there anything Why did you is... ask me that question? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta mix it up, up Jules. <laughs> I don't know. There's not really any. There's not much more. He 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 hates purple. Any time we even consider the color purple or lilac, he's absolutely not even going to talk about it. So that's, okay. that's hilarious. But no, I think the only difficult thing about working with Jules is the fact that he is actually has a completely full-time job that's not this job so that is the difficult the only real real difficulty in working with him he's he's enormous fun to work with but most of the time he's not with me so I'm up here by myself um, and he is very very driven and focused and he has got exceptional vision for how he wants things to be he's an absolute perfectionist Mm-hmm. He can, he's got really, really clear idea of his designs, of how he wants things executed, even down to how, you know, how a photograph is framed or, or you know, how neat the, t- the desk needs to be upstairs and just, you know, very, very focused. Yeah. And I have to second guess that a lot of the time because I'm upstairs making those decisions without him. Mm-hmm. So I think the hardest thing about working with Jules is the fact that he's not always here and it's just trying to make sure that I am meeting the very high standards that I know that he has for Moot. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, it. Okay, really. that's, that's amazing. I'm sorry, I don't. You don't like purple, Jules, because I love purple. But there we are. Um, <laughs> it's gonna buy him some Cadbury's chocolate. Yeah. Um, and what's next for the brand? What What's your kind of aspirations over the next six to twelve months? What Where do you want to be if we have this conversation next year? What's your thoughts? Well, I, I, it's a complicated thing because, it, as we just touched on earlier on, as you as you understand your brand better, things change sort of within the brand, don't they? So mm-hmm. you know the way you 
you know, the way you think about your next range of underwear and how are we going to look at the fit? How are we going to do this and what fabrics are we going to use? So, so it's, 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 it's continuously changing. Um, equally, I mean, Anna would be better to answer the exposure that we're getting through influencers and people involved in design are getting onto us. But mm -hmm. um, from, from, from sort of my point of view, I would like, I would hope that we can still produce, you know, really nicely crafted, creative products that that decorate as we think they should, you know. Um, yeah. uh, and I think that really, I, to me, you know, it's about are we making the right products? It's if we get in the right bits out there, mm -hmm. the rest will follow. Does that make sense to yeah. you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, and, and I think... I think to a great extent, we are probably a little bit ahead of the curve as far as the awareness of this type of uh, underwear mm -hmm. and the acceptance. And I, so I suspect our market will be coming towards us. Mm. Um, you know, what, what we've really tried to own is the idea that this is a product for all men whatever their background is and we're not interested in that side of things it's just this is a product for men and as an individual i'm very happy to put myself forward to show that this is what it's like on me a 56 year old man most of the photographs on our website and our social mm -hmm. are with me in it you know anna knows me better than my wife in many intimate areas because we do the fits <laughs> together we know every part of it yeah but part of that honesty to our customers and to our brand brings some sort of degree of ownership and integrity within that brand. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm absolutely sure the big boys are going to come in and muscle in because they will see opportunities, but they'll never bring what Moot brings to it. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's that human idea of owning yeah. what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. It's passionate, yeah. deeply embedded passion in what mm -hmm. we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know it sounds really peculiar that you've come from this this metalwork and creative metalwork car background into making making uh, underwear, um, and there is this real battle between things um, as far as my own time. But you know, I am I am deeply passionate about this whole idea of what we do with Moot. So we just build on where we are that's yeah. where i see it um, yeah. and yeah. Anna, i don't know you you put your well i would we yeah going. i i think um that there's one or two lovely things that are happening behind the scenes and i think because of my naivety in the world of marketing and um press releases and stuff like that i um yeah naively kind of have no uh, I haven't been told what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Yeah. So there's no fear. Just, there's no fear. You there's just no do fear. it. So yeah. I just go straight for the big people. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so and we had uh, we got taken up by Harry Lambert, who's Harry Styles' stylist. And wow, okay. Harry Lambert asked us uh, about a month ago or three or three weeks ago for he got hit one of his junior stylists to get hold of us, and because I'd messaged him through Instagram and. He they requested 20 different pieces for a massive shoot he's doing with Tim Walker, who Amazing. has done um Vogue covers left, right, and center. So mm. we're just waiting to see what the outcome of that is. It might be that they used nothing of ours. Yeah. It might be that they've used all 20 pieces or one piece. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if if Harry Lambert has got the his golden fingers on something that belongs to Moot then somebody else will see it and somebody else will see it. And what I would like to see is Moot getting featured in sort of editor's picks in GQ yeah. magazine. Yeah. Or, you know, I just, I think that the more exposure that we can have where we're validated by these big names that people trust, mm -hmm. that would be absolutely brilliant for Moot. And that's what I want to see happening. Yeah. I don't want to see it becoming so massive that I can no longer um, give people care and attention. I think that there is some kind of middle middle work path that we can we can find where they still get the moot experience. Yeah. But I think that there are thousands and thousands of men, and for some of them, the women in their lives, who will really, really like what we do, mm. and they just haven't ever heard about us yet. And yeah. these big players 
if they are able to just stick us on a page, boom. Okay. So could you envisage then, I mean, you say about, it sounds to me as if the reason why you don't want to go mainstream is because you're going to lose some of your secret source, which is completely understandable. But could you see it? I mean, would it make you very, very happy to know that your mission, your challenging of the status quo has been is much more accepted by m- more people. Is that something that that drives you forward? Yeah, yeah I mean, totally. it, it is completely. But but if you look if you if you if you lo- look back, you, that you can't now because they've gone. But our, our earlier websites, um, as we began to understand our brand, the first website we had was very boudoir, quite dark and sen- sort of sensual, mm-hmm. nice sort of shape, moody, yeah. Um, the model was fabulous young guy, completely unachievable body wise for anybody of any age, but I, I couldn't connect with him because there's no yeah. way I've never looked like that. So we kind of reacted against that with a real, uh, sort of pop art, sort of bubblegum retro kitsch, uh, a reaction to it where it was very bright colors, feather boas. Um, Brighton Rock. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was oh, yeah. real roller skates. Fun, fun. Um, yeah, but but I think it was trying to. A lot of people didn't identify with it, and I think we'd lost yeah, our way a bit with it. Swung us, too you know? far, didn't we? And and actually, what we really, we always we sort of eventually find our way in it. And it somebody was talking to us about, well, is this fetish? Is this what is it? And I said, well, it's not. It's just lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. just a choice. It's just a lifestyle choice. We're not wearing a Ramon T-shirt to become part of the sort of the the in crowd. We're wearing a Ramon T-shirt because we went to the Ramones in the 1980s and 70s. You know, that that, that sort of approach. It is a lifestyle choice. And once we kind of got that simple message, it was, well, actually, we just photograph it in a lifestyle environment. We normalize the whole bloody thing. Of course, we do silly photographs. We make it fun just to sort of like stick your finger up at somebody. (laughs) But, But... it is it's it's a lifestyle choice and if we approach it in that manner and we sell it to people in that manner it sits much more comfortably with somebody who wants to try a different a different product or wear a different pair of underwear the challenge is is breaking down those barriers but to normalize it which is what we're trying to do which is what it should be yeah um is 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 our next sort of really phase and, and challenge i know the next product range will put it into a, a different category i think um the way we will be photographing the next ranges again will be very much more lifestyle based mm-hmm. it'll still be shock we will always do that you'll still have straight through underwear that you can see genitals that's that's moot we'll always do that mm-hmm. um but just making it that lifestyle sort of choice. Yeah, but you might be at home, you might be drinking a cup of coffee and reading the paper. You're not necessarily roller skating through a 50s American diner, are you? Got you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, it's been fascinating. It really has. And I certainly am going to be keeping an eye on your brand. I I really respect you guys for what you're doing. Um, As I say I've always got an open mind. I've always had an open mind with regards to what's happening in the market, what's happening in the industry. Because I think if you if you haven't got that mindset, you miss really good things. And I think you're onto a really good thing here. I'm not just saying that. I genuinely, genuinely believe that. And um, yeah, I'd love to keep in touch, as would no doubt my audience, our audience, as I should say. So <laughs> what's the best way for people to either connect with the brand or to connect with you guys? How would you advise? Well, I absolutely love being emailed. So you, if you eat, if anybody wants to write in any thoughts or feelings or ideas or just connect with us and say hello via a personal email, they'll get me on hello at mootlingerie.com. Cool. But if you don't want to actually speak to me and just want to look at us, just go to www.mootlingerie.com and have a look at what we do. And also we're really active on Instagram. So mm-hmm. at the.moot.com dot revolution 
Cool. So it is a revolution. So good luck with the uh, with the revolution. I hope your army goes forth and um, and takes on the world. And uh, listen, guys, I really appreciate your time. I really, really do. I know you're busy people, and uh, I'm sure you've got a bonnet to get under shortly, Jules. So um, take care, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, Warren. And, Cheers, Warren. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Bye. 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 A massive thanks to Anna and Jules there from Mute Lingerie. I hope you found that conversation insightful. Um, and who knows, you may even have a little bit more of a liberal standpoint after listening to that story and just listening to the passion behind their brand. Really enjoyed it. And thank you again to you guys, Anna and Jules. Anyway, let me tell you a little bit about next week's show, guys. So this one is with Joseph Rosenfeld. And Joseph is also known as the chief style geek. He's based in New York, but he built his business up on styling and advising the high flyers of Silicon Valley. It's a really open, honest, and at times personal conversation, this one. So really hope you can tune in next week. It's a really genuine and um, wonderful interview, actually. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it with an ultra professional guy. So join me then and I'll see you soon. Behind the Brands was brought to you in association with beforestores.com. Go check it out. You can discover new brands, meet the makers and their products before they go into stores. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. We'd really appreciate your feedback. You can also subscribe for future episodes by tapping the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, keep learning, keep listening and keep creative.